0: perceptions podcast Hi, John Dixon here. Welcome to another bonus interview from Season 6 of Underceptions, exclusively for our Underceptions Plus subscribers. You might have thought we'd be done with the Vikings after two bonanza episodes, but you thought wrong. Christianity in Scandinavia has such an interesting history, and I have to admit, I went a little overboard while I was in Denmark earlier in the year. So here's a full interview with Professor Kurt Larsen from the Lutheran School of Theology in Aarhus. He's a well-known church historian. Kurt and I spoke mainly about how Scandinavia went from Catholic, which was around since the Vikings, to Lutheran during the Reformation. Enjoy. So um, just for the recording, can you tell me your name and pronounce it exactly correctly so that I can say it properly (laughs) when I introduce you? Yes, my name is
1: Kurt. Larsen um, and i'm a professor of, of church history at the uh, lutheran school of theology in Aarhus, denmark
0: and this is a um a training school for lutheran priests and for missionaries yes
1: yes it's uh we we do uh, we give a bachelor's degree in in theology four years bachelor's degree and uh, most of our students uh, go on to a master's degree at the uh, University of Aarhus and then they eventually become pastors in the, uh, the state Church of Denmark uh, uh, Evangelical Lutheran Church mm. of Denmark
0: I mean this is a very old tradition uh, Lutherans are amongst the most highly educated Protestant pastors in the world in in my experience yeah, yeah. The, um, you can just do a three-year theology degree and become a clergyman in Australia yeah Um, sometimes four, but here it's more like five or six, yes? Yeah, six or seven, actually. Six or seven. Yeah,
1: it's not possible to become a pastor in the Danish Lutheran Church unless you have a a master's degree from from a Danish university, which means that you cannot have that uh, in less than six years.
0: Mm. Um, Can you tell us um, about uh, this as a Viking city? Um, And and I guess I want to pick up... um, Really, from the Viking conversion, because I've, I've, I'm talking to a lot of other scholars about Vikings. Yes. But what can we say about the conversion of the Vikings to the Christian faith? How did it happen? It's such a strange thing to yes. imagine. Yes, it's,
1: it's difficult to imagine. Yes, and uh, and uh, we don't have uh, too many sources uh, to describe the, the process of Christianization of, of Denmark but uh, still it seems that uh, it was done in a very long period of time the first missionary came to Denmark in 826 his name was Ansgar, uh, a French monk coming sent out from Germany and he came up here and and he was a he was a, a very quiet and a peaceful man and uh, and when he after some years, uh, were allowed to uh, to speak to the king, uh, the, the king who was uh, the Viking king. Uh, he, was, he he got confidence in this uh, quiet monk and let him uh, do whatever he wanted in Denmark. So the king said to him, if people in Denmark want to become Christians, uh, it's okay with me. Uh, and uh, then Ansgar was allowed to build a church uh, in the south part of the kingdom. and. Uh, he, was a, he could preach there and um, administer sacraments and the king uh, allowed that. Hmm. Um, and this so, is in southern Denmark? Yes. Mm-hmm. And in, uh, well, in the, the first church in Denmark was built in a city called Sleswig, which is now a part of Germany. But then after some years, uh, Ansgar also built a church in Ribe hmm. and that is the oldest uh, church in Denmark. And since the time of Ansgar, who died in 865, uh, there has been a... a functioning church in Denmark and there has never been any like uh persecution or so. So but so from the period of Ansgar, we think that there has been a slow uh growth in the in the church. And then in 965 uh the that pres- the, the time the king at that time, his name was Harald Bluetooth. Harold Harald Bluetooth, yes. Yeah, Harald Blotan. He uh, he converted to the Christian faith, and and uh, and then, uh, due to this thinking of that, uh, you have a, f- a fellow tribe. Then a lot of his tribesmen also chose to become Christians, and then uh, it seems that uh, one or two generations later, uh, all Danish people had uh, converted to the Christian faith. Then then the the signs of uh, heathen faith uh, disappears but there's no evidence of of uh, violence or, uh, so it seems that in the period of uh, 150 years people have become christians uh, and that of course uh, was influenced by uh, the fact that uh, to the south to the west uh, of denmark you had strong christian cultures uh, the christians yes, what in we call germany was german germany and, was christian and gaul and, yeah yeah they could make uh, they made cathedrals they could mm. read and write and mm. the vikings uh, couldn't do that they could only fight and then uh, eventually they they wanted to be part of this uh, higher uh, culture which was christian and then they took over the christian faith too mm. it seems that the women were the first ones to do to do so
0: i had read that can you tell me yeah. more
1: yeah the um the Vikings uh, were were violent people, and uh, and they were they don't uh, they didn't respect children uh, as much. If you had a, a female child, they could uh, put the child out in the woods to to die because they preferred just life. like in ancient Rome. Yes, mm. uh, and then uh, any mother would uh, would prefer the Christian faith, who which respected uh, all newborn children so Mm -hmm. that's that's one of the reasons why and often often the Vikings uh, went to Ireland to England to France and then they stole beautiful young women and brought them back home as wives and then they these wives were Christians and then uh, probably influenced the children and so during a generation or two uh, the family was uh, Christian so it's slow, a yeah, slow... Uh, a slow...
0: But do we have any evidence at all about the motivations of the Vikings um, to become Christian? You, you intimated just a moment ago they wanted to be part of the higher culture of Europe. But w- yeah. was that their motivation in becoming Christian? Or, or, or do we know anything else?
1: Mm. Uh, not... We don't know very much uh, except the... Women's motivation and this uh, cultural thing, and and then uh, at that time people moved around very much. So a lot of people uh, spent some time in France or England and in Christian countries, and and uh, when they came home, some of them would probably have become Christians uh, abroad. But there's, there are no written sources to tell about this uh, process. Wouldn't
0: it be wonderful to to know what what the first Vikings to read the Sermon on the Mount, mm. thought. Yes, <laughs> yes, and they, when they met and scar uh,
1: you know, it was really a clash of cultures because here was this man uh, who had given a vow to live uh, very poor. So he experimented how to to uh, eat as little as possible and still survive. And then you standing uh, towards the Vikings who uh, who uh, travelled around Europe to. Plunder and become rich, so there really a clash of cultures, and 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 Ska was crying uh, when he thought about Jesus. He he mm. he cried, and uh, how would the Vikings have have thought of a man who wept? <laughs> so <laughs> it was really a clash of cultures, mm. and that explains, of course, why it, it took uh, one or two hundred years before before Christianity really uh, became the dominant religion.
0: Hmm. Okay so um can you summarize I mean this is a terrible thing to ask a Lutheran professor but I'm going to ask you to summarize how Scandinavia adopted Lutheranism in the Reformation how and why the, the great pivot
1: yeah um the, the taking uh, Denmark as an example it's has we uh, had this um a situation that that the, um, there was a strong opposition to the way the Catholic Church uh, functions in these uh, in these days. In uh, so already in the in the time of the Catholic Church, Denmark being one province in the Catholic Church, you had to the Danish province had to pay a, an awful lot of money to Rome in order to to be a part of the Catholic Church. So in already in. Uh, a few years after Martin Luther started his criticism of the Catholic Church, then the Danish king, uh, for financial reasons, broke the relation to Rome in order to save all this money he had to pay. <laughs> so that was done. He was, a, he was still a Catholic, uh, hmm. uh, but, and he, had, uh, but he, he broke the relationship to Rome and made Denmark a, an uh, independent Catholic uh, so church. a little bit
0: like Henry VIII with yes, England, actually, he, he died a Catholic, but, but his, he broke.
1: broke, yes, and that was done ten years before uh, Henry VIII broke with hmm. Rome. So so hmm. then, but then uh, when the, the Danish church had broken away from Rome, uh, then um, he allowed uh, Lutheran preachers to function in Denmark, and they did that all over the country because uh, a lot of monks had left. the had read Martin Luther and uh, become evangelical mm. Christians uh, and then they preached the gospel uh, all over in every city of Denmark and then one city after another uh, turned evangelical and then um, there was a, there was a civil war um, and in that civil war the uh, that was for social reasons uh, but in this, that civil war the crown prince Christian uh, was a victor, and he was uh, convinced Lutheran. So when he became king in 1536, uh, he made uh, the Danish church evangelical and Lutheran, and and he he took a firm hold on the church and uh, and and made this these uh, laws for the for the new Danish society, laws for church and schools, and actually these laws from 1537. Uh, are more or less has more or less formed the Danish society up to this day um, so that was uh but it has very much to do with uh, the position of the king yes and that in sweden uh, it it's more complicated because uh they had they have had uh, different uh, kind of of kings and s- then they have a king with, with was not uh, lutheran and so on so it things has has not been as uh simple in Sweden as in, and Finland as in, in Denmark-Norway, because in, once Denmark-Norway was Lutheran, it has been that ever since, and we have, we have the same royal family governing Denmark as at that time, and they have all been Lutherans, and they have all uh, followed these uh, laws that
0: Christian the third. It's made. the same royal family today? Yes. Which includes an Australian?
1: You're right. The crown princess uh, <laughs> is an uh, Australian, yes. And uh, actually... Although I'm sure uh, she's Dane now. <laughs> she's, yes, but she, yeah, and she's uh, she's very popular in Denmark and mm. is a, a very uh, fine representative of the
0: Australian. And learnt the language beautifully. I yes, understand
1: very very quickly, and uh, so she is. Uh, yes, we she, are very proud of her. Yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, it's the same royal family that goes back to Harold Bluetooth. who no. uh, they are that direct uh, direct uh, line in the royal family. Wow, back, back to the first. In the line was Gorm the Gamle, Gorm the old. Uh, he was the father of Harold Bluetooth, and he was a heathen. Uh, but uh, that is the first in that royal family. And, and this is 900s. Yes, in the beginning of um, 900s, Harald uh, Gorm. Huh. Uh, I wonder if there
0: is any other existing monarchy that's a thousand years n- old in the not, world. No, not uh, not without not with uh, unbroken family line. Extraordinary. You've already mentioned a couple of names. Um, are there particular names an Australian might never have heard of, mm. um, of people who were really significant in the conversion of Denmark and Scandinavia to a rich Christian faith?
1: Uh, I think the... Uh the monk and ska was the most uh, important yes. and he he was uh actually his uh, he was this uh, quiet man and he has written very little that is left for mm-hmm. so so he's not that well known but i think both in in denmark norway and in sweden he's the most uh, influential person even even though that he's not much uh Cherished in in uh, anymore, but I think he was the most important one.
0: What about in the um, Reformation period? Were there particular preachers that took Luther's message far and wide? Yeah. And
1: yes, you can, you, actually, you can say that. Uh, being so close to Germany as we are, uh, all a lot of Danish students uh, uh, has always moved to germany to to study and a lot at, in the time of the reformation many danish students went to wittenberg mm. uh, and and brought the, uh, the luthers uh, theology back to denmark and uh, the the most uh, famous of the danish reformers was uh, his name was hans tausen a former monk and uh, now a lutheran preacher and his uh, you can see his uh, picture in the in the Castle Church in Wittenberg, uh, as one of the most uh, influential reformers in in Europe, mm. but, so in Denmark, Norway, he was he was influential. He died as a as a bishop of Ribe. Uh, right. He, he was he was after being a preacher. He he organized the University of Copenhagen into a Lutheran university, and then he was placed as a after a few years, he was placed as a bishop in in Ribe and organized the diocese of Ribe into a and even the Lutheran
0: uh, church. You mentioned um, that Denmark, and this is true of much of Scandinavia, I believe, has a state church or had a state church. Um, so for much of the last four or five centuries, um, there was an official relationship between the state and the yeah. church. Can you describe what that involved? Because yeah. Australians will puzzle yeah over yeah. what it means to have a state church yes yes
1: it's very uh first i have to say that it's it's very complicated because uh, even in denmark very few people understand uh, how it it works but uh it's it's very much to do with tradition you know it was a king who who Introduced Christianity to Denmark in the old days. It was a king who organized the Reformation, Christian III, and this royal family still governs the country. And they are usually very popular. So, so in the, from the time of the Reformation and until 1849, when we had a, our first constitution, the the king actually ruled uh, the church completely on his own. He he. Uh, decided who was going to be pastors and bishops, and he gave laws for the church. and it was really the king's church uh, until eighteen forty nine. but then in the time of the we had this uh, uh, constitution, the king was very popular still, so he was not written out of the of the of the constitution. so and then it was said uh, in the constitution that in uh, some time, the Danish church will have to have its own constitution someday. It was a promise. But this day, that day has not arrived yet, <laughs> um, more, more than 150 years later. So it means that the Church of Denmark does not have its own governing board, which means that the only one to decide to give new laws for the church is uh, the parliament, and the person who governs the church officially is the queen. Um, so... Um, when there's a new hymn book in Denmark, the only one to decide um, and to authorize a new hymn book is the queen. Wow. And uh, the only one to decide um, whether there should be a new law about anything in the church is a, is the parliament, and then signed by the queen. But that's only pro forma, but still uh, the government gives a law and the queen uh, authorizes things uh, to be used the rituals and hymn books and so in the church
0: does the state pay for pastors of the state Mm -hmm. church
1: yeah then in that way it's it's uh, the church is is uh, almost uh, free so the church is almost all the money of the church is is paid by those who have decided to be members or Mm -hmm. stay members and uh, so if you leave the state church you you don't pay church tax and it means that uh, at the moment 76% uh, so are members of the church and they, and they, and we pay church tax and then uh, that, that finances uh, the... May uh, I ask how much is the church tax? Uh, it's about, uh, in the countryside, a, a little more than 1% of your income and mm-hmm. in the big
0: cities less. And um, it doesn't mean you then have to go to church. Nope. It, it, but it does entitle you to... Baptism. There's no obligations. No, but can you get uh, therefore free baptism, oh, weddings, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. funerals? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. and uh,
1: confirmation class and and everything. But but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's free. Mm. And then and the Danish church uh, is self self paid, but uh, still I think uh, one of the richest uh, churches in the world because we have so so much members. Mm. Uh, so the, so it's free in that direction and on the local level in the on the parish level uh you, you know, the members uh choose democratically a church sport and they decide uh they hire pastors to the local congregations and they uh, pay for the church building and and so on that so that is on the local level it is it is very uh it's almost congregational
0: but, but the, the pastor's past- salary is paid by the state? Or yeah, the it's
1: organized through the state, but paid by the members. Uh-huh. It's, but the money goes to a, a central uh, fund, and that fund pays. So when but I, so can
0: a poor church still have a full pastor? Yes. Or, oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So, okay. And you have in that way, and that's one of the reasons why this, f- we call it a folkkirche, mm-hmm. uh, Volkskirche in Deutsch, um, one of the reasons to have this Folkekirke uh, system is that, uh, in that way, in poor areas and and uh, very uh, thinly populated uh, areas of the country, you can still maintain the old yeah. churches, mm-hmm. and you can you have, uh, and you have are, people have left the western part of Denmark, and then you may have uh, five middle-aged churches uh, to maintain, and they are maintained. Completely uh, well because uh, people from Copenhagen uh, put their money into this fund, and then the, uh, the money is distributed. So you can have pastors uh, in everywhere, and you can have all churches in Denmark well, uh, well repaired and, and uh, up to date. Like uh, your
0: roads. Your roads are beautiful, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. Um, in, so so this,
1: it's, a, it's, so this is, is the state church. Yes, it's a state church as far as as uh, jurisdiction goes. But uh, in the, in the local on the local level, you, you don't uh, f- really uh, feel it is a state church, and it's it's like a, uh, you, you only think of your own individual
0: church. Is being a state church a blessing or a curse, or both, for the promotion of Christianity in society?
1: Yeah, I I think it's both. Uh, I think it's. uh, I have been a a pastor in the in the the Lutheran church for many years, and and uh, because of the state church system, in my in my parish, uh, all children at the age of uh, all children, almost all children were baptized uh, when they were born, and uh, almost 100 percent of the children. Came to a confirmation class at the age of 14 uh, and was in, was uh, introduced to Christian faith and the Bible and uh, the Catechism uh, for two hours a week uh, during a year and and all this we fear would be lost if uh, if it was not a a, a national church. It, it's more of, to many people it's it's a tradition. It's just the thing that you do and but. Uh, because it's the thing that you do, then all children uh, are introduced to the Christian faith and the hymn book and, and the Bible. And we think that is a blessing.
0: That so a would... highly Christian-educated population, therefore.
1: Yeah, as, uh, yes, in, in, in one, I think it would be very much less if, if the state church was disestablished and, uh, and people had to choose to, to go to confirmation class.
0: Mm. Uh, um, I hear a lot about the secularization of Scandinavia uh, generally, but also Denmark specifically mm-hmm. um, can you describe that process of secularization um, and how it happened
1: <clears throat> well the secularization is uh, is easy to see on a on a normal Sunday where uh, not very many people go to go to church as an average church attendance of two percent in, in in denmark uh, so and is that uh, all kinds of
0: churches or is that just uh, a state church?
1: Uh, the state church mm. yeah and and uh in many in many places of denmark there is no alternative to a state church it's mm. more more in the big cities that you find non-lutheran churches yeah. in the countryside there's almost only uh, lutheran churches mm. but then um and then, when you when you listen to public discourse, uh, you you uh, very seldom hear uh, any th- argument uh, argued by cr- Christian faith. So, in that way, it's a secularized country. The only person who can who name who mention God in the public area is the Queen, because every year she uh, in her annual New Year speech to the nation, which almost everybody. Listen to, she always uh, end up saying, "God bless Denmark," and that's the only time of the year when the name of God is is mentioned publicly. So in that way, it seems a very secular country. But still, uh, when there is an uh, when something happens in the in the country, uh, people usually uh, gather in in churches. That's a very natural thing. So, and that means that it's it's more like the christian faith is like uh something that's lies just beneath the surface so so it's uh whenever things happens people uh, go to the church and go to the pastors anyway so it's uh it's a little uh difficult uh picture very different from from uh, countries where the faith is spoken uh, of very publicly uh, i've
0: just come from america yeah <laughs> it's and it's quite that's, a contrast. Yeah,
1: that's a, a big contrast.
0: Uh, and is the Lutheran Church seeking to promote Christ and Christianity uh, in the country? And are they, are they doing well? Are there pockets of success?
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the Danish uh, Lutheran Church is, is very uh, pluralistic. And I think that all, all the different groups in the church uh, want to promote the Christian faith and the Christian values, but they, they uh, interpret it very, very differently. Uh, some people think that uh, you should uh, promote Christian faith by uh, being tolerant and accept uh, marriage of same-sex couples and other things that you should be faithful to the Christian Message and not uh, marry same-sex couples. So, so it's 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 interpreted very differently. Uh, Does the
0: state church allow that? I mean, yeah, are you yeah. permitted not yeah. to marry same-sex couples? Yeah, oh. yeah.
1: you can, uh, you are uh, you are, Yes, it's it's the, the pastor's choice. Hmm. And then then when you apply for a to become a pastor in a certain congregation, they will probably ask you, uh, what do you think of this question? And in some parish, they want a pastor who perform these marriages and other pa- uh, parishes want a pastor who, who are, are against same-sex marriage. So, so they, they choose a pastor who, uh,
0: who corresponds with the congregation. Is this still a controversial topic in Denmark? I mean, is there a push to make all pastors Participate no. in same-sex marriages? Uh, no, I, I don't think you
1: could say that. I think that um, we have this uh, very long tradition in Denmark of of, of disagreeing in the church. Mm-hmm. So you have different, you have liberals and and conservatives, and you have uh, Pietists, and you have uh, we have a certain Danish groups called uh, Grundvi, who was a Danish famous Danish uh, revival preacher in the 19th century, and he was a uh, uh, Keen supporter of of freedom, even in the within the church, and that has influenced the Danish church so that it's different from like the Norwegian, Swedish, and German churches because, in the way that all bishops and all influential people would say that uh, uh, there should be freedom to different opinions uh, in questions like this. Hmm. So there's no there's no push uh, for us who who don't want to. To perform same-sex marriages,
0: mm-hmm. it sounds very peace-loving, uh, <laughs> which I do associate with Denmark. Actually, yes,
1: and and that goes back to to Grundvi, I think, who who said that it was it would be valuable to the country. Um, well, at that time we were fighting with Ge- wars with Germany, in order to keep the Danish population together as Danes, it would be good. It would be good that the that the, the national church was open to. Different views, so that everybody could stay within the same national church, even though they differed in theology, yeah. and and that has been a, a, a strong tradition in in especially
0: in Denmark. Finally, uh, do you hold out any hope for a Christian Renaissance in Scandinavia?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, it's. Uh, Yes, I, I do have uh, hopes for that. And I, I think that when you go back into history, uh, the situation has been much worse than it is now. At around the year 1800, in the time of the Enlightenment, uh, the churches of Denmark were almost uh, empty, hmm. uh, hardly hardly anybody went to church anymore and everybody thought at that time that uh, religion was uh, a thing of the past and eventually it would disappear and then during the during the 19th century there were great revivals and the church was completely changed and we, the church was yeah, people went came back to churches and they organized in mission groups and organizations and there was a renewed life within the church and i think that's um uh, why should that not be happening again uh, today we have uh, well in some churches there are uh, only few people left but still in others you have uh, you have very big and vibrant uh, congregations and a lot of uh, even young people uh, are engaged in the in the church life so uh, the situation today even in spite of secularisation, is much better than in the year 1800. So, I have, uh, I have, I hope uh, for the for the future.
0: Uh, Thank you so much. An undeceptions podcast.